0: The front door of the hollow tree faced eastwards, so Toad was called at an early hour, partly by the bright sunlight streaming in on him, partly by the exceeding coldness of his toes, which made him dream that he was at home, in his bed, in his own handsome room with the Tudor window on a cold winter's night, and his bedclothes had got up, grumbling and protesting they couldn't stand the cold any longer. ...and had run downstairs to the kitchen fire to warm themselves. And he had followed, on bare feet... ...along miles and miles of icy, stone-paved passages... ...arguing and beseeching them to be reasonable. He would probably have been aroused much earlier... ...had he not slept for some weeks on straw over stone flags... And almost forgotten the friendly feeling of thick blankets pulled well up around the chin. Sitting up, he rubbed his eyes first and complaining toes next, wondered for a moment where he was, looking round for familiar walls and little barred windows. Then, with a leap of the heart, remembered everything his escape, his flight, his pursuit. Remembered, first and best thing of all, that he was free. The word and the thought alone were worth 50 blankets. He was warm from end to end as he thought of the jolly world outside, waiting eagerly for him to make his triumphant entrance, ready to serve him and play up to him, anxious to help him and to keep him company, as it always had been in days of old before misfortune fell upon him. He shook himself and combed the dry leaves out of his hair with his fingers and, his toilet complete, marched forth into the comfortable morning sun. Cold but confident, hungry but hopeful, all nervous terrors of yesterday dispelled by rest and sleep and frank and heartening sunshine. He had the world all to himself that early summer morning. The dewy woodland as he threaded it was solitary and still. The green fields that succeeded the trees were his own, to do as he liked with. The road itself, when he reached it, in that loneliness that was everywhere, seemed like a stray dog to be looking anxiously for company. Toad, however, was looking for something that could talk, and tell him clearly which way he ought to go. It's all very well when you have a light heart and a clear conscience, and money in your pocket, and nobody scouring the country for you to drag you off to prison again, to follow where the road beckons and points, not caring whither. The practical toad cared very much indeed, and he could have kicked the road for its helpless silence when every minute was of importance to him. The reserved, rustic road was presently joined by a shy little brother, in the shape of a canal, which took its hand and ambled along by its side, in perfect confidence, but with the same tongue-tied, uncommunicative attitude towards strangers. Bother them, said Toad to himself. But anyhow, one thing's clear. They must both be coming from somewhere, and going to somewhere. You can't get over that, Toad, my boy. So, he marched on patiently by the water's edge. Round a bend in the canal came plodding a solitary horse, stooping forward, as if in anxious thought. From rope traces attached to his collar stretched a long line, taut, but dipping with his stride, the further part of it dripping pearly drops. Toad let the horse pass and stood waiting for where the fates were sending him. With the pleasant swirl of a quiet water at its blunt bow, the barge slid up alongside him. Its gaily painted gunwale level with the towpath. Its sole occupant, a big stout woman, wearing a linen sun bonnet, one brawny arm laid along the tiller. A nice morning, ma'am," she remarked to Toad as she drew up level with him. "I dare say it is," ma'am," responded Toad politely, as he walked up along the towpath, abreast of her.